0: It's April 7th, 2014. Arlington, Texas.
1: Spectacular performance by the Huskies.
0: March Madness is just about to end.
1: Napier, wow! He is one of the best you'll see in college basketball. The 2014 National Championship game, UConn wins the championship, which by the way, none of us expected to happen. Like it was a pretty big surprise that that team managed to win the national championship.
0: ESPN's Bomani Jones can still remember the Cinderella victory UConn pulled off that year.
1: They were as unexpected a national champion as I can think of off the top of my head.
0: But the reason Bomani still thinks about this game, it isn't because of anything that happened on the court that night. Instead, it's because of what happened afterwards. Um, uh, honestly, hey, I, I want to get everybody's attention right quick. That's when an announcer put a microphone in front of a player named Shabazz Napier.
1: And you could tell that Napier had something that he had planned to say. And he said that we are the hungry Huskies.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at the hungry Huskies. This is what happens.
1: But the hunger was not simply in their desire to win a championship. He meant that we are literally hungry. He talked about the nights that those guys go where they, you know, hungry at night and don't have anything to eat.
0: Hungry. Had become this way. Napier talked about himself. A few days earlier, he had been asked whether players should organize, demand that colleges pay for their athletic work. Uh, You know, we're
1: we're definitely best to get a scholarship to our universities, Um, but at the end of the day, that doesn't cover everything. You know, we do have hungry nights that we don't have enough money to get food, and uh, sometimes, you know, needed money is, you know, money is needed. Um, So,
0: after Napier spoke out. The NCAA told athletes they'd be eligible for unlimited meals while playing college ball. But the idea that they would pay athletes, that was out of the question. The thing that really stood out to me when I was watching that Shabazz Napier tape was he he doesn't seem to be asking for a lot. No. Like he says, you know, yeah, you know, sometimes we go to bed hungry just because, you know, we don't have the food, dining hall is closed. And then he says, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we should be paying people a lot of money. Uh,
1: but I, I don't think, you know, you should stretch it out to hundreds of thousand of dollars for players, you know, because that's not, you know, a lot of times guys don't know how to handle their stuff for money. So uh,
0: he's uh, like, I, guys could get greedy. They don't know how to manage their money. It's just sort of, he's saying both things at the same time. It's, it's humble.
1: Yeah, it is. And I disagree with him entirely on the whole idea that, you know, we don't need a lot of money and all this. And this is one part of this argument that I've always found to be fascinating is why it is that people are concerned that the players might get too much money. Right. And so, you know, the only thing we don't know how to manage money. It is your God given American right to blow your money anywhere you want to. There is nothing here that says or requires that you be smart with your money, because if it did, would none of us get checks?
0: Through TV licensing and tournament tickets, the NCAA makes a billion dollars a year. They insist their players are amateurs, though. They say students shouldn't be paid. But Bomani argues these athletes are at the end of a long chain of middlemen. And everyone else along the way is collecting a check. The college is making money, people having... Television networks that are making money. I'm
1: making money. Like I, you know, like I get like I work for the company that pays for a lot of these television rights and then sells the advertising and part of those profits are paying for me. You know, like we're all in this in some form or fashion. There's literally one group of people who they have determined cannot get any money. And it's the people that we actually are
0: watching. So what happens when you try to disrupt this cash flow? California is about to find out. Lawmakers there want to allow college athletes to earn money while they're still in school. The NCAA has vowed to fight them every step of the way. Some are saying this law could be a game changer. Bamani is skeptical. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. I want to start off by talking about the NCAA. They've fought the idea of paying college athletes for years now. So I asked Bimani, how should I be thinking about this organization and its position here?
1: I want to read you a quote. I want to see if I can pull this up, if I can get enough enough Wi-Fi in order to make this happen.
0: You need our password? You know what?
1: I would like your password because I believe I am about to blow your mind.
0: (laughs) Bomanis pulling up a quote from a book called "Unsportsmanlike Conduct." It's a history of the NCAA, written from the inside.
1: So, a gentleman named Walter Byers, who was the pres, who ran the NCAA as it reached its heights and really helped to create the current system um, as it exists. And I want to make sure I get this quote exactly right about him because basically he wrote his memoir, and he realized. Yo, I have created something that is low-key kind of terrible. <laughs> and and this is what he said in his 1995 memoir. He says, the NCAA is, quote, firmly committed to the neo-plantation belief that the enormous proceeds from games belong to the overseers, the administrators, and supervisors, coaches. The plantation workers performing in the arena may, only re- may receive only those benefits authorized by the overseers. That's the man who created the whole thing.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) That's the man, like the man who created the whole damn thing. That is what he says.
0: This neo-plantation idea. This is how a lot of people have started to look at the NCAA. It explains why California decided to roll out a bill they called the Fair Pay to Play Act. It would allow college athletes to sign endorsements and keep control over their own name and likeness.
1: And my problem, it's not a problem with the law, but is the limitation of the law, which is there aren't that many people who can really make money off their likeness in college. So they take it to California, look at USC, for example. None of their players have their names on the backs of their jerseys, right? This is something they've done historically. They, they've never had the names on the backs of the jerseys. Because you're USC. just playing for us. You're just playing for us, right? And it's, it's a kind of a charm. Like Notre Dame does the same thing. It's kind of a charm of some of these programs. It's bigger than you. It's about the team, whatever it is. But there's a handful of guys like when Reggie Bush was at USC, Reggie Bush could have come out here and made some money off his name and Matt Leinart and a couple of those guys. But if you're an offensive lineman on that team, the most anonymous guys on the squad, you're not really going to be able to make money off of your name, but that doesn't mean that you haven't done the things that earn you money. Like being a celebrity is not the reason why these guys aren't should earn the money. It's because they are the engine that catalyzes this whole thing. And so, It is a positive step that California has done this, but it probably applies to two or three guys Hmm. on a given team who would actually be able to make like some money worth discussing. Now, I saw one story that made a very simple example of how um, an athlete could make money off his name and likeness. So like if you're on the water polo team, now you can put on your flyers that you're a member of the water polo team. And then when you're trying to like sell swimming lessons to kids, you can market yourself as a member of the water polo team, which you are not allowed to do per NCAA rules.
0: Maybe I just need you to lay out the absurdities of the rules, because yeah. that's, that's a crazy idea to me. Well, that you can't own yourself. You
1: cannot, You sign your rights to yourself over to the school. That is part of the agreement to play, is that you sign the right to your name and likeness over. To the schools, and so um, I don't know how many people have seen the movie The Mac, but there is a line in The Mac: "As uh, I keep them broke, they wake up with some money; they're subject to go crazy." The thing is, The Mac is a movie about pimps. Like that is a line that a pimp uses, but that is fundamentally the logic that is used to not pay athletes.
0: Over the years, players have tried to get their share of college sports profits. Like Northwestern's football team tried to unionize. Yes, that got blocked by a judge. Yes. It's- um, and then we have Ed O'Bannon, who is a basketball player for UCLA, who sued the NCAA because he played a video game. He when saw he was, himself. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I'm playing as me. And his friend said, yeah, and you're not seeing a penny for that.
1: Yep. And r- after the NCAA lost this lawsuit after EA Sports, you know, they lost this. Rather than keep this game going that they were using to make money hand over fist, rather than pay the pay the players whose images and likenesses they were using, they just shut the game down. Huh. I love that game, too. Like, like people <laughs> really miss it. People really miss the game. And they're just like, "Now nah, we're not going to do it.
0: For Bamani, this is just one more example of how the NCAA wants to keep players from making money no matter what. Even though that money, it's still making its way around.
1: So I heard a story once. I won't put the names of the schools in or anything, but this is when I realized the level of this game. That there was a guy, a player that was being recruited to go to some major state school. And he wanted a new silo, right? It's very rural type stuff. For his farm? Yeah, yeah, very rural type stuff. He wanted a new silo. And some booster came by and said, well, what's it going to take, you know, to get you to go to school here? And he's like, well, I need this new silo. So the booster goes up the street, Goes to whatever the local emporium, the silo emporium is to sell these things. And he says to the guy, he says, well, all right, um, you know, Mr. Johnson down the way? He said, yeah. It's like, uh, Mr. Johnson needs a silo. And he says, what silo does he need? He says, the best silo you got. And he says, all right, well, Mr. Johnson will have that silo. And he starts walking out and the guy's like, wait a minute, who's going to pay for the silo? He says, you're going to pay for the silo. He's like, what? He's like, yep, you're going to pay for the silo, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to put an advertisement for your business in the media, in the program, so that all those 90,000 people that come to the football game and they get a program will for free give give you advertising in that program. And then we're going to give you an advertisement that intermittently plays on the scoreboard during the games.
0: So it's not really traceable. It's not cash money. It's
1: nothing. This is this magically the silo shows up. This guy gets his advertisement for his business. Everybody walks away. Everybody keeps it moving.
0: In an ideal world, paying athletes is a way to clean up transactions like this. And the California law is a baby step forward. But to Bamani, this conversation about who gets paid, it's still stuck on some really fundamental questions.
1: Something that gets lost in this, and this, and particularly in more liberal circles in discussing this, is that the opposition to paying players is still the majority view. Like the majority of people are on board with what the NCAA does, and so the fervor in opposition is loud, but it is not numerous in the way that it can often seem.
0: So, I really want to talk about race because so many of the athletes are black. Yes, and I found this survey from a couple years back. It asked people how they felt about paying college athletes. And there was this massive racial divide. 52% of black respondents are strongly or somewhat in favor of paying college athletes. Yes, And among whites, 43% of people oppose it. Yes. I mean, what do you make of that?
1: It's funny that as this has come up, um, I've been reading uh, Martin Luther King's book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos and Community. And I highlighted some things while I was writing because they really tapped in to some of the things that we're talking about here. So one thing one thing that is always interesting, I think we talked earlier about the idea that people don't mind these guys getting something. But there's always the idea of a cap, like even Sebaz Napier saying we need to have like not a, we don't need a lot of money. We'll be OK with just a little money. And I'm trying to find this passage that King had in the book that really struck me. You know, while while I was thinking about this and it was about the idea of enough. And of course, he was speaking in a much broader context when talking about people who had these attitudes about whether or not there was enough. But what he says here, he says, um, these are the deepest causes for contemporary abrasions between the races. Loose and easy language about equality, resonant solutions and about brotherhood fall pleasantly on the ear, but for the Negro, there is a credibility gap he cannot overlook. He remembers that with each modest advance, the white population promptly raises the argument that the Negro has come far enough. Each step forward accents an ever-present tendency to backlash. So, like when you think about the context and the tenor of ra- of discussions of race in the United States, they really tend to mirror and go right along with what the discussion is that we are having here with paying college athletes. I can't think of any group of white people that has ever been told, "Now nah, y'all got enough." <laughs> right. Like, like, no, no. And the, the whole point of this is actually the idea that you are able to get as much as you can. That's supposed to be a kind of, you know, the quasi beauty of America. The idea that you can go get all you can.
0: Enough it, isn't like a principle of capitalism.
1: It's not. It is fundamentally uh, oppositional to <laughs> the idea of capitalism is the idea that all you want to do is get enough. In fact, they'll make the argument for you that capitalism only works if people are not satisfied with the notion of enough. And then King had other things in this book where I was, I was going through and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like the parallels between what he was talking about then and what we have now are so striking. And so a lot of the resentment, I think that you hear about the idea of paying athletes sounds a lot like a certain form of resentment that you hear about things like welfare and the likes, which is why are they getting that? If I didn't like what people hit me with a lot in their response is, well, I've got this stack of student loans. Right. those guys don't have student loans. Now, never mind. These guys, a lot of these guys wouldn't have student loans anyway, because they wouldn't have gone to college if it weren't for playing ball. Right. So like they, they 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 weren't begging for the right to do this. They weren't begging for the right to go to class necessarily. But it very often comes back into a context of they get X, Y and Z. Why don't I get X, Y and Z, which is, again, a huge part of the rhetoric that has surrounded a lot of issues of politics with the notion and the idea of the welfare state. It's about who's getting who's getting this money and who do we think deserves to get this money? And the idea is that these guys, for whatever reason, do not deserve it.
0: Hmm. Tim Tebow spoke out. Yes. Over the last week. And he was so impassioned. I was struck by him.
1: You, you know, I, I I feel like I, I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because you do. when I was at the when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top selling jerseys around the world.
0: He was sort of making this argument that paying athletes is part of a selfish culture. Yes
1: okay, it's not about us. It's not about we. It's just about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that mm. where it changes what's special about college football. We turn it into the NFL where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's
0: why. People- Twitter was not kind to this.
1: No, no. I, I laughed. Like I was one of the unkind people to a degree. And he he believes, and I can understand how he does to be fair. Uh, he believes in the the mythos that surrounds college athletics. But part of why I can understand why he does is he his last year in college was 10 years ago. He has been earning money off of his collegiate success ever since then. right? He was not a good NFL player. He's playing minor league baseball right now, but all of that's on the basis of the fame that he got while he was the quarterback at the University of Florida. So like, I could imagine that he is a person that's like, yeah, hey, you don't need to make that money then. You can make the money later, just like I did. But nobody else is really getting to make that money after the fact. Dabbles Because
0: a lot of players... Don't make it to the pros. No, they
1: don't. They don't make it to the pros. And like Tebow, honestly, would have been a guy who didn't make it to the pros, but could still make that money off of being Tim Tebow because he meant so much to them while he was at that school. But there are all kinds of other guys who achieve similar fame, and they're not going to be they're not going to be avenues for them to get paid after the fact in the ways that there have been for Tim Tebow. Like if he could, I wonder if he could step outside himself just a little bit to see what the experience is for some of these other people. Like you guys are anomalies, and you need to appreciate the fact that you're anomalies.
0: So the NCAA, they're lobbying the governor, trying to get this law blocked. What are they hoping is gonna happen instead? In October, I heard that they're coming out with their own plan.
1: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I think that they are simply just trying to buy time. Like I think I, I don't I think that the California law is just gonna be a blip for them unless the schools go along with it. The key to remember here is these schools, they don't want these guys getting paid either right it's not like the individual school there's been no individual school that's come out and said we wish we could pay these players so the schools all say they don't want to pay them so the law will say okay these guys can do this and legally they're going to do this but the players aren't going to get any assistance from the institutions in going out and getting this money if for no other reason they're going and getting that money is going to take time away from them doing the things that the school wants them to do in the first place so i think that this is an interesting start and we'll see more things come up in more states, but it does more to generate discussion. And discussion, I think, is important, but it does more to generate discussion than I think is truly going to prove to be a seismic shift in the paradigm of how we do this.
0: It sounds like you think this law in some ways isn't going to change very much at all.
1: No, I have always believed that it is going to require a judicial challenge. In order to make this happen, because once it's a judicial challenge, we're not at the whims of these politicians anymore who can be swayed by whatever their personal interests happen to be at the time. If it's something codified in the law that requires a certain behavior then I think people are then going to have to adhere to it. But I don't think we have achieved a victory in this other than showing that reasonable people have looked at the current system and find it to be insane. And I think it's important for more reasonable people to come out and say that they find the current system to be insane.
0: Bamani, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Bamani Jones is a co-host of ESPN's High Noon. All right, that's the show. Today and every day, I am super grateful for Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Mara Silvers, and Danielle Hewitt. Finally, Bamani Jones, super grateful for that guy too. In case you had any doubt, this guy hosts a lot of podcasts, way more podcasts than me.
1: I am the co-host of High Noon, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. I also host a podcast called The Right Time, released twice weekly um, on ESPN. And You can check out my own podcast, The Evening Jones, at theeveningjones.com.
0: Go check them out. I'm Mary Harris. I will talk to you tomorrow.